Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Before we begin, a note from our sponsor. I'm Richard Jacobs, Executive Director of the nonprofit Finding Genius Foundation and host of the Finding Genius Podcast. In late 2016, I was rear-ended at 65 miles an hour by a truck on the highway, which sent me off-road into a ditch. The impact of the collision gave me a concussion and other injuries. At the hospital, a CT scan showed that I had thyroid nodules, which turned out to be cancer. It was then, when I had a biopsy in my neck, that I realized, even if I was a millionaire, I wouldn't want a second or a third biopsy due to the pain and the invasiveness of it. And appointments at that time for thyroid experts were three to six months out. And I was worried about dying now, even if that was irrational. So because of this, I've decided to raise money to conduct a literature review on steroids, on the causes of anxiety and depression, a condition that affects well over 50 million people in the United States and hundreds of millions worldwide. Our goal is to create a codex, a guide that reveals all possible treatments for anxiety and depression for people that live with the condition or for loved ones that have it, as my wife and my son do. To find out more about our fundraiser, visit FindingGeniusFoundation.org and click on Current Initiatives. And now, to our guest. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. I have Dr. Stuart Madden. He's the CSO of Norellis, N-E-U-R-E-L-I-S. And we're going to talk about uh, his work there. Uh, Stuart has over 30 years of experience in the pharmaceutical industry, working on drug development programs from proof of concept through commercialization. So, uh, Stuart, thank you for coming today. Uh, thanks very much for inviting me, Richard. Well, tell me a little bit about how did you come to Norellis? So what's your background? And then I want to ask you about Norellis itself. Okay. My background, I've been in pharmaceutical research and development uh, all my life, which is um, about 30 years now. I'm a chemist by training. And following university, I, I, I went into the pharmaceutical industry and I've been there ever since. So that's my sort of sort of background. Terms of okay, what's the premise of Norellis? What are you guys working on there? Well, we're a biotech company uh, focused on epilepsy and uh, CNS uh, diseases. We are, our sort of mission statement is really to provide improved treatments for currently unmet medical need medical needs and develop new treatments for unmet medical needs as well. We have, oh, um, that's a bit uh, general. What What are the medical needs that you're all focusing on? Is it seizures? Or... Well, we, we have one commercial product for epilepsy, and then we're looking at um, other other products in in the for uh, anxiety disorders and panic attacks. And we're also working on some other neurological indications as well. Okay, and w- which of the uh, you know the indications you're working on would you most like to talk about and highlight? And we'll focus on that. Well, I think some of the, um, maybe the epilepsy indication in terms of the development of that and some of the, some of the challenges and um, some of the opportunities sure. for improving, improving treatments in that area. What Norellis is working on, is it a preventative? Is it a, um, like a fast-acting treatment? Um, you know, how would you characterize it? 
Well, I'd characterise it as a significant improvement on the current standard of care for the, for the treatment of acute repetitive seizures in that it is, it's a far more convenient route of administration. Uh, the current standard of care was a, uh, or traditionally it had been a rectal gel. And, and you can imagine that our drug product is a nasal spray. So that's a significant, a significant improvement in, in terms of, you know, patient acceptance and, and patient compliance. So, so the, the convenience aspect of it is, is critical uh, in this type of condition where these type of seizures can happen at any time and at any place. Have a, a ready treatment to hand that's convenient to use by self-administration or a caregiver uh, is a significant improvement in terms of the treatment paradigm. So what are, what are the different kinds of epilepsy and how do they onset? You know, I, I don't know much about it, so that's why I'm asking for a little bit of this background. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm not the best person to ask for that because I'm not a clinician. They can be, they, they happen relatively randomly. They're, it's very difficult to predict when you're going to get a seizure. And, and therefore, having a, having a treatment that is at hand and convenient to administer um, is a significant benefit. What is this uh, nasal spray that you guys have developed? What does it do? When is it taken? Is it, you know, does a patient start to feel like, oh, no, I know this feeling I'm about to have an epileptic fit. They spray themselves and it prevents it, or how does it work? Yes, it, 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 can, be, it can be used in that mode. It can be used while the patient is actually experiencing a seizure, uh, and it can be administered quite easily by a caregiver, um, even if the patient is, is uh, you know, prone or, or, or supine. It's very straightforward. It's relative, relatively rapid acting as well. And, and control of the seizure is an important aspect uh, of the treatment. And it allows the patient to recover rapidly, get back to their daily life. So I guess there's instructions for the person themselves. But if they can't do it, then there's instructions likely for their caretaker or husband, wife or friend or whoever's close to them. So that if they see them uh, seizing, that they'll grab this and administer to administer it to them into the work yeah yeah absolutely i mean every every cartner product comes with instructions for use it's a relatively straightforward uh, product to use you simply take it out of the packaging and it's a single administration two administrations depending on the strength uh, into the nose and that's it simple as that in terms of the science, how does this nasal spray work? What is it acting on in the body? How does it uh, stop a seizure? Well, it's, uh, I mean, it, it, I won't go too much into the pharmacology, but it, it works on the GABA, GABA receptors in the brain. And it's a, an established drug in terms of its pharmacology. And it's been, been known as a treatment for um, a number of years. The, what we bring to the table with, with, our, with our formulation is the convenience of delivery. Uh, coupled with rel- relatively rapid onset, mechanistically, it's it's been already established. So, okay. what is the underlying hypothesis? What is the underlying theory on how this works mechanistically? Like, what is it doing uh, to again prevent the seizure or to stop it? Well, the, because it works on the on the on the GABA GABA receptors in the brain. When those are, for want of a better word, overstimulated, that's what drives the epileptic fit. So, blocking those receptors, therefore blocks that uh, neuroactivity and therefore controls the seizure. Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, 
and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on Support Us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click Support Us today. Now, back to the show. Is it difficult to administer? Is it, you know, someone seizing and let's say their head's moving back and forth, jerking about, is that what makes it difficult to administer? Like, what, what would be the challenges? Well, the, the challenges with the traditional standard of care was, was that it was rectally administered. This is a significant um, improvement on that in that you can, as I said, it's a nasal administration and you can do it while the patient is actually seizing but it, it's also convenient for self-administration or administration by a caregiver. So that's the, that's the premise of the, of the therapy. The difficulty in developing an intranasal spray is that you have, you're very much constrained by a number of things. Firstly, the anatomy of the nose. You are, you are limited in the volume of solution that you can administer to the nose before it starts to either drip back out of the nose or get swallowed. So that gives you constraints on the solubility of the drug in the solution. And you do need a certain amount of drug in solution to be able to administer a therapeutic dose. So that's one of the first challenges. Uh, one of the second challenges is, um, as you can imagine, the nose is a fairly sensitive organ. So you're very limited in the excipient choices that you have in terms of dissolving the drug itself, because you don't want to producing the you know produce irritation in the nose or induce sneezing because that would give you significant non-compliance with the patient taking it and also if they started sneezing they'd, they'd be expelling the dose so that's another issue that needs to be overcome i've had that i've had that happen where i've done a nasal spray and then sneezed and then you're like oh no if i do it again am i having too much how much yeah. is in my nose and you can't tell you know yeah so so that's always a problem and then the, 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 other, the other problem or the other challenge, I would say, is actually ensuring that a significant amount of the dose is absorbed in a very short time. The nose has a mechanism called mucociliary clearance, whereby the nose kind of washes itself every 15 to 20 minutes. So that's the time window you have for absorption to get all of the drug in. Otherwise, it'll just get washed out with the mucus and get swallowed. And it would become ineffective. So those are those are some of the key challenges that, that we face in terms of developing any any drug for nasal delivery. And because of that, it certainly restricts the number of drugs that can be delivered nasally. What about an inhaler? You know, I have asthma. I take like you know an inhaler for thirty plus years, forty years. Would that be a way to do it? Yes, it would be. But I mean, inhaled drugs are probably more difficult to develop because we're talking about pulmonary absorption there rather than nasal absorption. And to deliver a, an inhaler to somebody who is seizing is going to be very potentially problematic because they've got to, as you know, you've got to time your breathing with the actuation of the inhaler. So that would be difficult for self-administration during a seizure. It would also be dif difficult for caregiver to administer 
during the seizure because you've got to coordinate those two aspects, the actuation with the inhalation. So as a, as a rescue treatment for epilepsy, it's not really optimal. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. Yeah, and what would be the breathing pattern while someone's seizing? They may not even be able to breathe in and coordinate, you know, inhaling as you use the inhaler. Yeah. So it makes a lot of sense. Exactly. And I, I was thinking of uh, chloroseptic, you know, those throat sprays. But I think yeah. you'd run into a lot of problems that way too, I guess, too. The person could could choke yes. and get to get their mouth open and all that. So it makes sense what you're doing. You know? Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's it's non-invasive, you know, for, for want of a better word. I mean, just putting the tip of the nozzle of the sprayer up the nose and administering it is it is very convenient compared to other modes of treatment. Well, very good. What, uh, is, is it in clinics yet? Like what, what stage is this uh, nasal spray at and what, what have been some of the results observed? Oh, this, this is an approved product. This is approved. This is commercially available in the US. One of the, perhaps one of, one of the other aspects that um, is unique about this product, I, I mentioned earlier about the mucociliary clearance and the need for rapid absorption. Um, it's actually formulated with our proprietary technology which is called Intraveil, which um, facilitates or improves permeation of drugs across mucosal membranes. So, so that has been a significant, has provided significant improvement in the, in the bioavailability of the drug, which makes it, which, you know, makes it much more therapeutically viable in terms of absorption compared to previous products that were developed for nasal administration. All right. And then, so um, if someone has epilepsy or they know someone that does, can they ask their doctor right now and possibly get a recommendation for it? Yeah, they absolutely can. Okay. Well, very yeah. good. Uh, Stuart, what's the best way to uh, for people to find out more about you know the nasal spray? I would suggest they go to our website, neurellis.com. All the information is there, both for uh, patients, physicians, healthcare providers, parents, etc. Any Anyone who is in the got any relationship with epilepsy or find a wealth of information on our website just, just about the, you know the, the disease itself and about our treatment for it okay well very good well Stuart, thank you for coming on the podcast i appreciate it okay thanks very much for inviting me if you like this podcast please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on itunes You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.